3: Handoff, Blue, big running run to the 20. Jaden breaks a tackle. 15, 10, 5, spins from a tackle. Touchdown, Jaden Blue. Wow. That's spinning away from several would-be tacklers who were trying to get him down, but they couldn't. And he takes it in 31 yards for the score. And viewers from the shotgun has the snap. Quinn back to throw. Looks, swings it, back side of the end zone. What a leaping catch by A.D. Mitchell. Touchdown for the White. That's climbing the ladder. And the junior transfer showing his national championship wares as he pulls it down for a 14-yard one-handed score. Second down and 10. Murphy with a snap. Malik looking to throw. He's going to heave it again down there. Going to try for it again. Down there this time it is caught. Down to the 30, the 20. Say goodnight to it. 80-yard touchdown strike to Jonte
0: Cook. One pitch, Atwood shoots it through the left side. Rounding third is Scott, left fielder Limbaugh up with it, throw to the plate, not in time. The Longhorns walk it off on a Reese Atwood single to the left, and Texas wins it 3-2.
3: from the Baylor ballpark in Waco. It's the Texas Longhorns against the Baylor Bears. Bring these two-two. Swung on, and that's lined back up the middle of base hit. Trotting in the score is Thomas. The hitting streak now at 15 and counting for Dylan Campbell. An RBI single ties the game 2-2. The stretch now and the pitch from Golem Swung on and a fly ball hit toward left center. This one back, and it's off the wall. One run scores. Gilmet held it third, going the opposite way. Porter Brown with an RBI double. Didn't miss a home run by much. It's now a 5-4 to four ball game with two in scoring position and one out. LBJ to the stretch now. Here's the pitch. Swung on and a ground ball hit the second. Up with it, a flip to second for one. Relay to first. In time! 4-6-3 double play. And just like that, the threat and the inning in the seventh are over. With the pitch. Kennedy swings, lifts a high fly ball to right. Chasing Tremaine back to the warning track. You can say goodnight to it! Eric Kennedy over the right field wall. A home run to extend the Texas lead to seven to five. No balls, two strikes, two outs. The 0-2 pitch. Strike three, called. got him looking, ball game over. And the Longhorns take the series in Waco. LeBaron Johnson Jr. comes on with a save and Texas takes the series here in Waco. Final score, Texas seven, Baylor six. The weekend that was spring football, walk-off for softball, men's and women's Big 12 Conference championships for the Texas tennis teams, success in track and field, Longhorn Baseball getting a series win in Waco. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Light the Tower here on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local and digital on the Horn app. And at hornfm.com, my name is Craig Wade, glad to have you with us, glad to be joined as always by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County and a proud graduate of Florence High School, even though he said he'd have, to, pro- he'd have to really dig up your diploma, you said in that promo. we, had, uh, uh, we Yeah, had it's there. somewhere in storage. That's all right. But you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe.
1: Prouder that I didn't attend Gerald High School, that my parents chose to live on the correct side.
3: Of <sighs> did they did they actually have a choice on back or I mean did they just settled way back in the day? I yeah, mean, they, was... they,
1: they made they made the right choice long long ago.
3: Was it uh, you know I've never asked you about your genealogy. I mean did your did your grandparents and all that, did they all settle in the area? Uh, where?
1: yes. So on my mom's side, settled in the Andes area, and on my dad's side, my dad was a military brat. Yeah. So when my yeah. grandfather was stationed at Fort Hood,
3: <coughs> there you go.
4: That's
1: where they
3: moved. I got you. Okay. All right. So your parents met while your mom grew up in the Andes area, and your dad was they stationed still, Yeah,
1: actually, when my dad's younger than my mom, my mom was actually friends, uh, really good friends with a couple of my uncles, so that's okay. how that all
3: happened. Very cool, very cool. Uh, beautiful Monday morning. Hope your Monday morning is off and running. Uh, our producer, of course, is Cameron Parker. Now, listen closely to Cam's voice this morning. How you doing today, uh, Cam? I've been better. <laughs> I can barely
0: even say the word "I." I've been better. <laughs> uh, uh, Cam's going
3: through puberty while we're. He's Peter Brady it. here. You know, I. You know, I, I. I shouldn't laugh because been there, done that many, many times. And in fact, I had a bout with uh, uh, with uh, some allergy issues over the weekend and the stuff blowing in off the Brazos ri- uh, River. Uh, and uh, uh, fortunately, my loving wife had some allergy medication when I got home. Uh, last night I was able to do that I feel a lot better today by the way show of hands out there for everybody who hit a ball into the Brazos River over the weekend yeah one guy can do that one guy can make that claim that's Eric Kennedy he did it and Keith saw I didn't see it land in the drink uh, but it did uh Keith saw it Keith Moore was working it, it, it one hop right off the the walkway and then and then splashed
1: I once saw Evan Longoria come really close yeah to hitting it into the Brazos yeah
3: how about that? Look at you with Evan Langoria. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Long Beach State against Baylor back mm-hmm. in the day, and of course, I, I saw Max Muncy do it. Like I said, that's that's the first time I've seen somebody hit one. Now Max hit one on the fly. In in into the river, saw Drew Stubbs throw it into the Brazos. One <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I Got mad, threw a ball out there. I do remember that. I'll uh, never forget
1: that. Michael Griffin walks off a series in '05. Baylor sweeps Texas, and that's Drew, right. Drew Stubbs, knowing there was no chance, just takes the ball, turns around, and Heaves chunks it. it. Chunks it into the Brazos.
3: Heaves it into the into the river. That's right. But that's the first time I've seen one land in there since. Max Muncy in the early 2000s, and now it's happened several times. I mean, our good friend Tom Barfield, who had the call on Saturday with Keith when I was down here doing spring football, Tom did Baylor baseball for 14 years, and he'd seen it happen a few times. Yes. Uh, but it it still takes a, a bit of a poke, especially the way that the wind conditions were yesterday and Saturday blowing in. You... you as uh, as Keith said at one point, you'd have to have a howitzer to get it out of the ballpark. It was tough, but the wind died down right before he knocked it out, just like the wind died down before he had the double hit over Kennedy's head that went off the wall. Uh, and, and we'll hear we'll hear that coming up uh, in the second hour of the program uh, from Eric Kennedy, our post game conversation. Here in the first hour, coming up bottom of the hour, David Pierce joins us, and we'll get his thoughts on the team at the midway mark. Uh, the Big Twelve Conference regular season race, at least for Texas. Some have even gone beyond that midway mark. Uh West Virginia isn't quite there yet. But uh Mountaineers, by the way, had a successful weekend. They took two out of three in Stillwater. But uh Texas uh right now uh is at uh, eight and four in the conference at the halfway mark of the uh Big Twelve season. So we'll we'll visit uh with him uh to talk about that coming up in the bottom of the hour and that will be our uh, Longhorn notebooks. Somebody said, "Love to hear the softball highlights." Yeah, our good friend uh, Andrew Haynes with the uh, with the call of the walk off win yesterday over Kansas uh, as uh, Longhorns beat the Jayhawks. They've not dropped a Big Twelve conference series to Kansas. I believe I saw this since two thousand four. I think it was something like that. So uh, they won the series after dropping the opener Friday night, come back win Saturday, and then and then yesterday. So that uh, thanks to Cam Parker putting all of that together for us in the opening of that uh our friend ice cream main on the specs text line where you can always offer your comments uh at three three seven three seven seven six and said i bet kim's voice is like that because he was yelling at the television during the rbc heritage playoff with jordan spieth
0: yeah that didn't help that's for sure
3: okay all right yeah so so uh uh oh i can see it's going to be one of these days so i'm like oh um, spring game recap. uh we're getting to it. <laughs> we're getting to it. It's it's it's, nine. it's been and, nine minutes, guys. Come on. <laughs> and uh, we did have uh, some highlights there in the opening highlight montage of it as well. So that's what we're leading off with. Obviously, is uh, a spring game recap. But I just wanted to set the table and let everybody else know what uh, else is going on. And and um, it's probably important enough to mention it. Rangers beat the Astros to win. A series in Houston for the first time since 2018. I think it's something something crazy like 13 straight series losses still. Yeah. So uh, the Rangers won uh, the series. Uh, and, uh, of course, you can hear uh, Rangers games uh, on 1019 and AM 1260. And that includes tonight in uh, as they play Kansas City. So uh, they're in Kansas City, right? So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you can uh, catch Rangers baseball on 1019 and AM twelve sixty. So Rangers got that win last night. Okay. Uh to the business in hand, and we uh start off with the spring game recap.
1: Can I can I say this though about the spring game? Sure. I want to table the quarterback discussion for hour two. Okay. So let's just get everything else out of the way first, and <laughs> then we'll quarterback is gonna be its own deal. We'll handle that in the second hour.
3: Very good. Very good. Okay,
1: all right. So I want to make sure we've got time to understand cover all bases.
3: I got you. Uh, let's dive right into it. First of all, your 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 initial impressions. Uh,
1: everybody was going to talk about quarterback, and rightfully so. But yep. I thought my biggest takeaway was everything that's around the quarterback. Uh, with the you know with running back, you don't lose Roshan Johnson and Bijan John Robinson and and get better the year after. However, you want to couch it, like you, that. You're working from a deficit. You're trying to get to a a certain level, and the bar is going to be set lower for this group than it was for last year's group. But I think in terms of perimeter skill talent, I'm struggling to think of the last time Texas had a collection of perimeter weapons that's as good as this group. When you throw J.T. Sanders into that mix, too, with A.D. Mitchell, Jonte Cook, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Casey Kane didn't even play because of a shoulder injury and you throw in the fact that we didn't even see Isaiah Nayer, you know, he was limited this spring, coming back from the knee. I can't think of the last time Texas was this deep on the outside when you look at just yeah. passing game weapons. Uh, it, it's got a chance to be the best collection of passing game weapons in the country. And I don't say that facetiously. I don't say that just willy-nilly. I really do think, I mean, you look at what Texas can throw out there, it's, it's going to be on par. The only group you could probably put – above it in recent years, maybe you know, the Alabama twenty nineteen group with uh that had four first round wide yeah. receivers or twenty nineteen LSU, Ohio State's had a couple of those that mm-hmm. Garrett Wilson and Olave and yep. Jackson Smith and Jigba, but it's it's on the cusp of being in that discussion.
3: I think put it it's, this way, it's the best they've had in a long time.
1: I you know Craig probably if I really think about it, I would probably say maybe 2003, because you had Roy Sloan and BJ were in there last year. Yeah, David Thomas, who really came and started to come into his own at tight end. You know, Bo Scaife was injured, didn't play. You had Lima Sweet, who redshirted. But just in terms of name value,
3: mm-hmm. in terms
1: of guys that would go on to be proven commodities, I'd probably say that 03 <sighs> group might be the last time there was just this much talent.
3: Yeah. On the field. Yeah, the, the group, obviously, uh, with uh, Jordan Shipley, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Jermichael Finley.
1: No, because you had, uh, Finley was gone in, oh, well, maybe 07. 07 is what I was yeah, thinking about. Yeah, you had about. Shipley, Finley, Quan Cosby. <laughs> yeah. Marquise wasn't there yet. Yeah, you got the end of, was Billy Pittman there in 07 or was he gone by that point? I think I he was gone remember. by that point.
3: There was that overlap, that's why I'm trying yeah. to remember, 07 08 between, Um, you know, when uh, before, right at the time Marquise came in, toward the end of the time you mentioned, uh, and of course Shipley was there for a while, uh, and and uh, before Finley was gone, so there was uh, overlap in there. But that that, that's overlapping of a couple of seasons. Point stands though. It's been it's been a minute since it was this good, no doubt, this
1: deep. Um, I thought you know I thought there was enough give and take along both lines of scrimmage to feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. th- this offensive line does look like it's better. And, you know, we've, we've seen years around here, Craig, where it was really hard to find five you could put on the field and feel good about. It's like, wow, that's going to gonna be the starting five. Like, all right, I guess that and a little prayer could go a long way to making sure your quarterback stays upright. Now, like, I, I asked Sark in post. I asked him, you know, whatever the number is. Some coaches say I need seven I need eight starting caliber players I like how
3: you do that when you when you when you you give a coach I've, I've heard you do this before uh, and not just with sark I've heard you do it with other coaches you give them a framework on something instead of just pinning them to one number and say you got to have this and this and this and I was like give me an idea about what you're yeah you know what what you're gonna need
1: and I asked him. I said or whether it's a true 2d do you fig do you feel like you're gonna be able to find that number of starting caliber players I barely finished the question. He's like, "Oh yeah, without question," and talked about just how good this online group is. And then, like I said, with the receiver group, consider Cole Hudson was out, Connor yep. Robertson was out, DJ Campbell was out. Still, you throw NATO and Zulu in there, you wouldn't have known the difference, right? Like I-, I thought he played well, you know, and and you needed to see some wins from the defense. I thought you know Byron Murphy looked the part of everything we've heard about him this spring. Alfred Collins flashed a little bit. <clears throat> Uh, you know, Edge is still one of those position groups where, and Sark even mentioned it after the game, could they go get somebody in the portal? Probably. I think that's one position where they can attack. And then we'll talk about the portal throughout the week. The portal at this point for Texas, it's a luxury, not a necessity. And to get to that point with this roster, that in and of itself says a lot okay. about what the staff has done.
3: Okay. I got to ask you, because we got the text from Cam during the spring game, were you, were you surprised to see Jaden Alexis out there? Yeah. So yeah. so, Cam sends us a text and says, "So I guess Jaden Alexis is n- not in the portal." And you said, "No, he is. No, he's in the portal. <laughs> he was in the portal." I said, "Which makes it all the more interesting that he's out there playing and catching passes." Well, in the we, you know, and
1: we and talked about that in the as the media core. We talked about it yeah. in the press box and kind of the consensus takeaway was, you know, he's just the type of guy that seems like you know everybody in the locker room likes him. Not yeah, a problem, good and yeah, and just like, hey, if you. Maybe just told the coaches, "Hey, if you need, you know, an extra body, I'm I'm here." And he only played a handful of snaps anyway. Yeah. Right. So I compare. I, I'm like, maybe it's it's kind of like in that last NFL preseason game, like where a guy knows he's gonna get cut, and just like, look, just let me get a couple of plays, just so I can have something on on tape. Something,
0: yeah. But didn't uh, Sark say in the Pivot podcast that once you're in the portal, you're gone? I think what he said was.
1: Well, yeah, but Jay, I mean. Jaden Alexis is leaving
0: once
3: he okay. leaves.
1: Yeah, like you're not you can't he
3: he has not left campus and has not officially departed the program. And
1: also too I wonder like did did they did he put in his did put his name in the portal not expecting it to pop on Saturday or right. anybody in the program expected it to pop on Saturday. So right. that's that could be part of it too but Yep. Um I was I was surprised to see him on the field. Uh, I don't know if I came away with any concerns, but I would agree with what Sark said and just watching this team throughout the spring game. Uh, and, and it's interesting, too. Craig, you've been around enough of these to know sometimes you get into a spring game, you get to about like the 8-10 to 10 minute mark in the third quarter. And even if you're a football purist, you're like, all right, let's just
3: get to let's, the let's, let's wrap this up.
1: Let's just keep, keep that clock running. This was one where you saw enough of the depth on this team. You're like, man, some of these guys... With the twos and some of these guys even run with the threes, look like they can be players of of consequence at some point. You know, Anthony Hill looked really good. Leunga Lafau had a had a goal line stop late in the game. I do agree with Sarg. This is this is by far the deepest team he's had, and it's got a chance to be one of the deepest Texas teams in terms of talented depth that we've
3: seen, at least in the last decade. I agree with all that, and and I will also say this, I. Uh, thought that uh, – well, not thought, I'm I'm convinced of it – that I saw more of the front-line guys deeper in a spring game than I've ever seen before. True, yeah. Quinn Ewers is taking snaps and throwing passes in the fourth quarter. Kelvin Banks was still Kelvin in Banks, there. Kelvin uh, Banks. Um, uh, Jalen Ford was making tackles in the fourth quarter. Yeah. so uh, So it was truly – as as we said, it was truly um, more like a a game, an actual game thing, than what we'd seen in past spring games. Yeah,
1: no, I I really I thought you, if you were a fan, that whether you watched it at DKR, or you watched it on LHN, or maybe you watched it at the stadium and you know put it on your DVR to watch later, you could take a lot out of this one just in mm-hmm. terms of personnel. Um, you know, we can get to concerns or question marks or whatever, but yep. overall, that's. I don't remember the last time I felt that good leaving a spring game about the future
3: yeah and, and again, I think it was more revealing than some of the past that that then allowed people because of the revelation of what they saw yeah. to feel better about it uh this is this was our uh, conversation with Sark after the game on the field right after that. Sorry, let me get your thoughts on uh, the, the way you saw it all unfold today. What uh, the things that really stood out to you, and what pleased you?
4: Well, I, I thought, first of all, it's always good to walk out of here, you know, injury free, which I, I think that's exactly what happened. Today. That's the first part. Second, I love that everybody got to play. You know, when, when you do a spring game, a lot of guys have been working. The entire team's been working since January, winter conditioning, spring ball. So that everybody got an opportunity to go in and play and contribute, I think is a great thing. Uh, but I think most notably, I thought we saw a lot of playmaking from the offense side of the ball a lot of skilled players receivers runners make, make some plays uh, I thought the defensive front kind of started stepping up in the second half and so that was that was definitely a positive
0: yeah and Sark you got a, a lot of early enrollees or young guys that, that you know haven't seen a lot of action how important was it just to get out in this environment and as you said have a chance to make some plays
4: well I think so I mean anytime you have to perform in front of people right that's that can be challenging and that can just be a distraction where you're not kind of as dialed in as where you want to be and I think we saw some of that to today also the heat you know in September it's going to be hot in DKR let's just call it like it is and so to get these guys exposed to it right now now they know why we run in the afternoon in the summer to get themselves ready for uh, for the season in fall Kurt, you had some incredible explosive plays you had you had the deep ball a couple of times fall in there as we're looking at you know we as fans evaluate the spring game but talk us through how you evaluate how are you looking at the performance of the guys going into the summer Thank you. Well, I like looking at efficiency when the ball's down the field, one. Uh, and I thought we saw that today. You know, there was, a, there was a couple real shots taken. I thought the quarterbacks threw nice balls. I mean, we, we created explosive plays. We had one drop there. Uh, the other side of it, offensively, I think, which was a positive, the ball wasn't loose today, right? They, they, they took care of the ball, and the quarterbacks made good decisions. Um, but on the flip side, we've got to create more turnovers. And, and sometimes that comes when you're not contact on some of the players and the ball can't come out. But we got to keep striving to turn the ball over.
3: Sorry. I always ask you this at the at the end of the interview, at the end of the spring uh, game, about the timetable now for these guys, not only finishing the semester on academically, but the conditioning work, the things that go on and what the coaches get into now uh, to let Longhorn fans know what these next uh, several weeks and few months will look like in the run-up before you get into fall camp.
4: Yeah, so for our coaches, they're hitting the road Monday. They're going recruiting for the next five weeks, uh, which I know they're they're excited to get on the road. And you know we, we value recruiting recruiting a great deal. Uh, from a player perspective, we'll go back into the weight room and, and finish up some things with Coach Becton here next week as they're finishing up school. Then the players got finals, uh, and then they're getting a little bit of time off, which I think is needed. You know, we, we can't we can't work these guys 365 days a year. Uh, but when we come back after Memorial Day, summer school is gonna begin. We start our summer workouts, and, and we're getting to it for nine straight weeks. And, uh, you know, we'll have the full allotment of our team. We should get everybody back healthy by that time, we should also have an influx of the rest of our freshman class. And so uh, that that's a great time when we come back after Memorial Day because that's really when we start to gel as a team. That's when we do a lot of our culture work. Uh, that's when we do a lot of the mental and physical toughness aspect of it. That's why we like to run in the afternoon in the heat. Um, and, and that's when true leadership has to start stepping up.
3: Yeah, at that point. But uh, pleased in the word that he said when you were down in the press conference afterwards, talking about the depth, the building of depth with this yeah. program.
1: Just, that's a pro, That's a byproduct of a couple of really good recruiting cycles and getting the most out of some of the guys you inherited. I mean, look at – you know, take a look at, at, at what's left from the 2020 and 2021 classes at this point and look how many of those guys that are still here either are starters or they're big-time contributors. I mean – Jalen Ford, Keaton Crawford, Alfred Collins, JT Sanders, uh, you know, keep going down the list. Mo Blackwell, there's a lot of guys that this staff had inherited that they didn't have a choice over, that they've managed to develop. And I go back to what Sark said a couple of weeks ago when he just started rallying off guys that this, we've seen the best version, we're seeing the best version right now at Texas since we've been here of this guy and this guy and this guy. And there's like eight or nine guys. That he mentioned. That's that's part of building depth. It's not just recruiting and developing what you've got. It's it's taking what's already on your roster. You know, obviously they've had some player churn and some player turnover and uh, a coaching change on top of the transfer portal era and one time transfer. You're going to have some of that, but this just speaks to the the quality. Two things: how serious they've been about player development, which is why I always ask Sark about it because it's that's something that never stops. And then two. Especially in the last two recruiting classes, the caliber of guys they've recruited, guys with legitimate yep. NFL ceilings. I mean, you you got that at some positions. It, it says a lot when you can lose over the weekend four guys to the transfer portal, and it's it's no disrespect to those guys, but it's not that big a deal. Because right. you're losing, you lose some wide receivers. All right, somebody somebody had to leave that room. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's one football. It's not enough to go around. You know, Johnson
3: so much roster room too. Yeah,
1: Travel Johnson and Derek Brown. uh... <laughs> I think they'll go be productive players elsewhere, but who who are you going to beat out when there's four or five guys in front of you at a position?
3: Yeah. yeah. So just simple to, math.
1: Yeah, it's talent. There's a lot of there's a lot of good depth on this roster that I think, position by position, you've got a chance at a lot of position groups now to have some talented depth.
3: All right, uh, we'll have more obviously on the spring game in the next hour, uh, as Jeff has given you fair warning. You know quarterback conversation will come second hour
1: yes we will talk quarterbacks so don't don't worry
3: we'll get into a lot of that uh second hour so we we will do that uh up next we'll talk some longhorn baseball and the big 12 and college baseball overall texas is on top of the big 12 standings at the midway mark they went up five spots in the d1baseball.com rankings from number 19 to 14 and, yes, they survived that series in Waco. We'll get the thoughts of the head coach, David Pierce, coming up when we continue with Life. The Tower here on a Monday on The Horn, 1049-1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on The Horn.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. Light the tower.
3: This is like the tower on the horn, 104.9. Yeah, all right, Craig. Yeah, like yeah, I just had a little bit of frog Not like what Cam's having to deal with. Yeah. just had a little bit of scratchiness spreading. there. You know what would
1: happen? If we had bigger cups in the break room, you might be able to get some more water than this little... I got um, a bottle.
3: Right here. I filled up my yeah, bottle. Oh, there again. you go. Yeah, that did Leave. that. So filling up better.
1: That's why you're, you're you you where you are and I'm where I am because I rely
3: <laughs> on cups in the break room. I have no idea what that means at all. It's you're, all right.
1: You're, sm- you're smarter than me. You're more proactive uh-huh.
3: than I am. Uh, Craig Wayne, Jeff Howe with you here on this Monday morning. And it uh, is time now for our Longhorn Notebook. And uh, our uh, Longhorn Notebook takes us to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Uh, Longhorn's coming off the series win in Waco, including yesterday's uh, 7-6 win over the Bears. Joining us is Longhorn's head coach, David Pierce. Uh, how was that bus ride back
2: yesterday? Uh, one of the easiest, for sure. <laughs> I'm not bad at all. It's nice and short, and it's always great to leave with the win on a Sunday, for sure.
1: David, you uh, you stop at Bucky's, let then Temple let the team out a little bit.
2: No, we came straight home. Wow. We didn't even shower. <laughs> um, normally, normally we shower, but an hour and a half, we'd rather get back and shower here and and get ready for today, and give the guys a little bit of time in the evening to catch up on rest, schoolwork, taking the girlfriend to dinner, whatever. Yeah. Um, but just to get back home
3: was good i right. I know this is a bizarre question, but I thought I just happened to think about this when we were over in college station, you and I were talking with Jim Schlosnagel. He said because there was something going on when they played in Knoxville against Tennessee and they had to, uh, something going on at Thompson bowling arena and they couldn 't use uh, the shower facilities they had to get they all got on the plane and flew home in their uniforms afterwards so uh, for, from your days and your in your many years as a coach what's the longest Bus ride or flight you've had to do where your guys could not, and it could even go back to your days as a player, David, where uh, where where guys could not shower after the game and you just had to ride it home in the uniform.
2: East Carolina, 2001 or two, when I was at the University of Houston, it was a two-hour bus ride from Raleigh-Durham. And we go on our way back. It was a Sunday, so we had to play early. And so we hustled back. We did not shower. Um, we take the two-hour bus ride to Raleigh-Durham, and there was major, major storms in Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth, where we were flying into. And so we were delayed in Raleigh-Durham, and then we got to Dallas-Fort Worth, missed the connecting flight, and then had a bus ride uh, from there. Got in University of Houston, back back home at Houston about 7.30 a.m. on a Monday morning, and it was miserable. (laughs) It was the worst trip ever. Wow. (laughs) I mean, it was that bad.
3: (laughs) None of those images evoked in your mind when we were all there in Greenville for the Super Regional last June, were they?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, we we had that delay, and they were talking about having the charter on Sunday. I go, you can't have a charter on Sunday in a Super Regional because of potential weather. But you're going to play on Monday. In a, in a in a regular season weekend series, you don't hang over to the next Monday. So we were pretty safe, but fortunately we made the flights for Monday to get out, and we ended up needing it because we played so late on Sunday night at East Carolina last year in the Super. But, yeah, there's always – you notice I didn't hesitate on that road trip, though. It was It was by far the worst.
3: You had it clear in mind. All right, uh, Longwood's head coach David Pierce joining us here. Uh, uh, a series win yesterday. You, you mentioned even on Friday night with it, uh, with the way that thing wound up. You you said you told the team you never apologized for victory, especially conference victory, and even on top of that, conference road wins as well. Uh, you know, even that said, I know you and the staff with the evaluation. You you feel good about coming out with the way your team hit the ball, the way your team um, defended, uh, the way Lucas Gordon. Pitched as well the way Heston Toll pitched, uh, DJ Burke. I, I know there there were a lot a lot of positives. That is it important for you and and the staff to remind the guys of all those positives, even with the specter of the craziness of what happened in the and the unpleasant things that happened at times during the weekend with the bullpen.
2: Yeah, I mean the Big Twelve Power Five baseball. I mean, there's sometimes you win ugly. There's sometimes you. You know, I would much rather hold on to that and win the game as opposed to pitching great, playing great defense, and getting beat 3-2, to and everybody says, well, it was a great game, but uh, each game has its own separate narrative, and you go into the ninth up by eight, and you feel pretty secure of going into some of your other guys, and we just didn't get it done. Unfortunately, we hung on to win it, but it's not how you design it, for sure, but you're right. I told the team. I said, look, we've got a quick turnaround. Don't feel sorry for yourself because you didn't pitch well. Don't ever apologize for winning a game. Understand it and move on. And, you know, unfortunately, it happened again the next day. And um, you can look at so many things because nobody wants to get beat. the I would much rather, of course, everybody says, well, you know, they hit a walk-off home run to beat you. Of course, they, they have to earn it. But you look at some of our arms, too, and they're very big arms, um, and command sometimes become an issue. And with that being said, you look at if he's going to give up a bunch of heads, he can't walk, guys. If he's going to walk a few guys, he can't give up a bunch of heads. So we look at the whip. Uh, but all those guys have to improve, and they know it. Uh, none of them feel worse about it. I mean, we don't, there's no way as a, a fan or, you know, as a – Media personnel or even coaches, I mean those kids understand it. it means something to them, and they're frustrated. I will say this it, umpiring has gotten much tighter, and uh, we check a trackman report on umpires reports every single game and and I've never seen so many strikes called balls within the the box of the trackman report, and it's really interesting to try to figure out because I'm not saying we deserve better on uh saturday but i i watch it after the end of each game and when you're looking at umpires 80 to 85 percent in a rating you know they should be minimum low 90s um for a good rating so you know that's something they're working through as well um trying to figure it out but you don't ever apologize for winning the series you're disappointed you had opportunity to sweep and you didn't get get the sweep but um you know, it's a new week now. We move on.
1: David, since you got here, uh, you, organizationally, you guys have, have done really well with the guys you've gotten out of the transfer portal. And, you know, you look at how well Garrett gilmett and Porter Brown are playing for you in conference right now. I mean, Garrett's hitting almost 400 in conference. Porter's hitting uh, almost 380. You look at run production, OPS. The the numbers are there. What What's special about these two guys that you got out of the portal? And more more than the numbers – Uh, What have they brought to you guys from a a clubhouse, just a day-to-day standpoint?
2: Well, Garrett hit like 280 in the two years at USC in a good league. So if you can look at kind of their past of what their success or non-success was, it's pretty safe when you look at that type of league and you look at where uh, Garrett and where um, Porter came from. So they're known hitters. And I think – Uh, Our staff has done a really good job of getting them to be more comfortable in their approach. And both of them are really good in the middle of the field. And I think that's the key why you see their production. You know, most head pull hitters become unlucky hitters. Uh, You know, they just tend to not get additional hits when they square up a ball. And both of them stay in the middle of the field. Garrett's done a great job staying in right center field. Porter hits a ball off of left center field uh, yesterday for two big RBIs. And then you look at, you know, Porter's home run production has been probably 50% to left center field. So it just puts him in a good spot to be on the breaking ball. Um, But as far as clubhouse guys, you know, Porter's such an interesting kid because he's a Texas kid. Um, He's also a grad transfer. So he's, he's seen a lot and he's been in this league. Um, So He's so critical as if he were a guy that's been with us, like an Eric Kennedy or Dylan Campbell, uh, Mitch Daly, that's been through the Big 12. And then you take Garrett, and his skill set is outstanding. The play he made in the ninth on the delay still um, sometimes surprises some guys, and he threw a rocket down there. So. I love what they're doing. I love their energy, and they have fit in the clubhouse extremely well.
3: Visiting uh, with Longworth's head coach, David Pierce, here on Light the Tower. Uh, uh, you've got to – uh, you have a game on Wednesday this week instead of Tuesday, and I'm sure you probably feel like as much as you've had to use the pitching staff of late, uh, that's uh, that's probably a good thing and a rest, uh, extra day of rest. I want to ask you about one guy. You and I have talked a little bit about him, but, he, but he's been a fascinating story, and that's Kobe Minche, uh a guy who uh, was homeschooled. And I, I asked you when we were down in San Marcos, said, how'd you find this guy? And you said, you know, word gets around. It's that old thing about if you can play, people will find you. But I think what surprised a lot of folks and what has impressed a lot of people is uh he seems unafraid to attack the zone and go after guys
2: yeah his dad pitched in the big leagues uh on and off for 18 years and uh, they're from Jarrell, Texas and it was right after I hired Woody and we got word because Rod knew the dad and they were considering taking him to Baylor and so we got on him right away Woody and I went to see him pitch and three-pitch mix in a summer league game is about 105 degrees. And the kid had good energy, attacked then. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, just sitting down and talking with he and his family, they were just very excited. But but Kobe has a good IQ. He understands pitching. And he went through a little lull in the, in the late fall, early spring, where he started trying to change too much. And we just went back to him and said, you know, even though you're young, you do a lot of things really correct, and you've got a great delivery. so let's get back to where you were and um he gave us a great outing last week. he's been out two times now, but it's kind of the late starter for us, and hopefully he can give us that that next starter um midweek, uh, maybe in a tournament you know, and keep building him to become that. So we'll most likely see him start on Wednesday. Uh, interesting week for us because you're right, coming off the road, Monday's our normal day off, um, but Tuesday we usually turn around and do our extra period during the day, and then it's not a lot of teamwork, and then we play. We need some team. Uh, We need to work on some coverages. We need some things with our uh, pitching and infield and just getting a little bit more secure in some of the things that we want to do and then just getting some of these pitchers to relax and and trust themselves. And that's, what's interesting about a lot of the uh, kids in this generation. I think they have such a work ethic, but they're so structured and they, if they get out of structure at times, they, they have, they have, they have struggles of just getting into the competition and, and really the ownership of it. And uh, so I think we need them to get a little bit more involved in, uh, the film work and to get a little more confidence of the type of hitter they're facing, and realizing that you know their stuff is good, they just got to attack the zone.
1: Yeah, David, I, w- I want to. I was going to go there next, and, and since you left me there, you know when a guy struggles or has a bad outing, whether it's it's you or or Woody does does the dialogue with a guy change the, the later you get in the year or is it just case by case? Hey, this guy needs to, you know, be, just be reassured. This guy needs a, a kick in the pants and just take it case by case. How, how do you handle the, the mental side of it when a guy struggles?
2: Well, anytime you struggle, let's just go defensively. We we were playing outstanding defense, knock on wood. And I just hope that continues, but um, there's a lot of pride about it. And there's guys that, have a lot of confidence and want the ball hit to them, and you can see it. Um, but when you start talking about guys that struggle defensively and you start talking about errors, well, it just compounds it. And it's the same thing with the base on ball three pass. As soon as you bring it up, just plan on it getting worse. And so you try to manipulate that a little bit case by case, and each guy is a little different Why they – have their struggles. Had a great conversation with uh, Travis Daly last week regarding why he moved from Saturday to Sunday. And, you know, with that being said, I thought his demeanor was so good. I thought everything he did was right. He went four and two-thirds, didn't give up a hit, but very uncharacteristically walked eight guys. And so you kind of scratch your head and go, how does that happen? And when I pulled him out of the game, he was He was just so frustrated as well. And I don't think Travis was pitching off the plate. I just don't think he, you know, pitched ahead of some guys who were hitting below 200, and you've got to realize that. And, you know, so you deal with that. And then Zane's a different kind of guy where, you know, Zane is very aggressive, but sometimes he gets gets ticked off, and instead of being ticked off, he just needs to stay more like an assassin versus, you know, moving towards – angry and angry meaning, you know, he gets a little embarrassed and ticked off when a guy gets a hit and you have to explain to him that even though you have good stuff, they're gonna get some hits, you gotta stay on attack. Um so each guy is so different. They really are and there's group conversations, there's staff conversations, uh but I think the individual conversations whether it be Woody and I with the with the pitcher, or Woody alone with the pitcher, or or just me sitting down with one. I think that resonates to those kids a lot more. Uh,
3: you're in first place of the midway mark of the conference standings, and and uh, other than that, uh, I it's it's difficult for me to uh, kind of. Um, understand everything that's going on in this league because you look at some things like uh, TCU's been good, They uh, but they drop a home series to UNC-Wilmington in non-conference play. Oklahoma State have been really good, obviously. They drop a home series to West Virginia. Uh, then uh, Kansas State – Sweeps Kansas, and I thought about this. I thought about you yesterday, the pitching, the old pitching coach in you. When they scored thirteen runs on twelve hits in the top of the second inning alone, they were up thirteen nothing and had to hold on to win twenty-one to eighteen yesterday in Lawrence. Uh, it's it, is it safe to say it's uh, not only competitive, maybe a little bit of a strange year in the Big Twelve?
2: Uh, definitely, uh, and again, I'll go back to some of the things that are happening with. Track man, and and you're seeing much more, many more base on balls throughout the country, along with more home runs, uh, more offensive production, and uh, it's just kind of a different year. But um, take TCU; they have some really great young pitchers, and they kind of struggled with the same thing of commanding the baseball. Um, K State was really competitive here, and continue to do that there, but. I didn't see us scoring 21 against K-State's pitching. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, you could see where Baylor's top five guys in their lineup, were, they're different than they were at the beginning of the year. So you had to really pitch to them, but you couldn't afford to put the bottom portion of the lineup. You couldn't afford to walk them, and that's what we did. And so we were just always in a struggle. But, I mean, you have, you know, Look at this. You have Texas Tech goes to Oklahoma, wins the first two, and just gets just blown out on Sunday. Well, you see that a lot, uh, and I haven't seen that with our team. We've been very competitive in every game except uh, probably the Vanderbilt game, game three, and then running out of pitching on Tuesday against Texas State, where you know it was just one of those deals. But um, It is different and it's a lot more offense and it's offense in different ways. I mean, you look at, I think we've hit 47 home runs, but we've only given up 20. So we haven't given up a lot and slugging percentages against us is very low. So it's a give and take. We're trying to clean it up, but at the same time you figure out how to win. And, And that's, that's what our team has done. The turnaround after Saturday night, um, and just get popped in the mouth unfortunately, unfortunate way and then come back on the road when they have all the momentum and and come from behind twice yesterday and when the game shows a lot about our team. It shows a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. Was it pretty? No, but we got the job done.
1: David, uh, what's the latest on Tanner Witt, uh, his timeline, and, and where he's at in the process of getting back?
2: Yeah, he's uh, throwing the hitters this week again and then – uh, we look at where he is and potentially start getting him in some short outings in the following week if everything's right.
3: Hey, I, I'm glad you took time to join us, Sarah, and uh, uh, look forward to seeing you at the ballpark on Wednesday. And good to know that uh, you'd have to have to go a ways on any future trips, be it in the Big 12 or in the future years in the SEC, to top the East Carolina trip of 2001 for, for a dirty, messy uniform return. So that's good to know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, um, I don't, I don't know. I hope I don't
3: ever top it. Okay. Hey, David, thanks for the time. I appreciate See you at the ballpark on Wednesday. All right, guys, appreciate you. All right, that's David. David Pierce, Longhorns head coach.
1: There, there couldn't have been enough Febreze in the world to save those two buses. Wow.
3: <laughs> what might that have been like? Uh, yeah. You ever, you ever
1: smelled a locker room post game, oh, yeah. Craig? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Imagine that on on a couple of two hour bus rides.
3: Yeah. Yeah. After Locked. the plane flights. Yeah.
1: You're you know, reporters are lucky when you go into a locker room. You're in there a couple minutes and then you're out. Yep. Yep. It's uh it's another thing when that's a – and the and the vents are just circulating it.
0: Yeah. I've done I've done twelve hour bus rides with teams after a game. No shower. Really? Not not a pleasant smell. Yeah, how about that? Twelve hours? Mm-hmm. Summer, summer league, summer league baseball teams, where the game ends oh, and you drive man. from Idaho to South Dakota because you don't, you can't afford to pay for a hotel room. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. So guys are just sleeping in their dirty, stinky uniforms on the bus <laughs> ride back. To- <laughs> oh, it's such a glamorous life, isn't it? Uh, of baseball.
3: All right. Uh, coming up, we have inconceivable, nothing quite like that, but we've uh, we've got some other things, including uh, a little personal touch there from our own Cameron Parker. Uh, when we come back here on Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.91019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
0: Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe.
1: Inconceivable. 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 Inconceivable.
0: You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means.
3: We're going to lead off Inconceivable with our own producer, Cameron Parker, because for those of you wondering, you know, why he sounds the way he, the way he sounds. And by the way, that's how... Um, I guess it would be my great-nephew. It's my nephew's son. Spells his name C-A-M-R-O-N. No E. Cameron. Like the rapper, Cameron? Yeah. Killer Cam? As opposed to our producer who spells it the conventional way with an E, Cameron. Uh, so, Or it could be like you know the Baylor closer, uh, Hamilton Oliver, who spells it not H-A-M-I-L-T-O-N like Hamilton, like the Broadway show. No. H a m b l e t o n, like See, Hamilton.
1: That's why when when we had our daughter, we wanted a conventional name because don't need to deal with misspellings and mispronunciations. Yeah. And I, it sounds like classic names are coming back into style for baby names.
3: Might be, yeah, yeah, might be some of that. Uh, so, Cam, uh, you know, you've you've got this raspiness there, and allergies are a big part of that this time of year. And it's gone
0: beyond that for you. Yeah, I had a, a first on my broadcast Friday night. Round Rock McNeil uh, Dragons, another victory. They've won, I think, twelve straight now. On the I started speed. saying
3: maybe we should have saved this for uh, Flex Thirty, but go ahead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so I had the allergies, you can tell by the voice. So a lot of a lot of blowing right, and it's mostly just turned into a sinus thing. But Friday night, third inning, you know, I'm getting ready to call, come back from the break, and see blood on my baseball scorecard because of a bloody nose that I cannot shake. So, fortunately, Jeez. a couple of the Round Rock Booster Club members, Clint Kimstead and Jeff Andrew Worth were out there, ran up and gave me some uh, some paper towels while I'm fighting off a nosebleed, trying to call an at-bat with my right hand. Oh, man. Awful. But, hey, Clint Sorry, and Jeff were like, ask Craig, has he ever had that happen
3: to him before? Not blood. Not like that. I had, John Madani got a big kick out of me sneezing right in the middle of a play-by-play call doing a Thursday night high school game between Bowie uh, and Crockett, I think, uh, several years ago, and he said that I didn't miss a beat because I hit the cough switch, and I went third down and 10, back to pass, and uh, yeah, back to pass, over the middle, and cough. What you didn't hear was, back to pass, and
0: called, so... But you didn't. You stopped bleeding though, and that was a good thing. Yeah, I just had a roll of toilet paper up my left nostril and fans because you're in the you're in the you're in the bleachers for these high school games, so I'm sure McNeil parents are looking over like what in the world's going on with this Ron Rock
2: broadcaster.
0: But <laughs> we made it through.
3: That and that's the that's the important thing there. Did you, did you do the penny bit,
1: Cam? The penny bit. Yeah, you know, the, like you put a penny on your forehead or on your nose to get, get a nosebleed to stop.
0: Uh, is, that, is that a thing? So, no, I don't
1: know. That must be a rural thing. I don't I, know.
0: I haven't seen a penny in person in probably a couple <laughs> years, actually.
1: <laughs> like an actual copper penny? Yeah. You haven't seen one?
0: I have a, I have a collection of change now at the
3: house.
1: I think there's one in my cup holder right now in the Didn't car. Didn't
0: they stop making them for a little bit?
1: Uh, I, no, I think I remember reading something about that. Craig, uh, you know that old bit. You put a penny on your nose and yep. your forehead. Yeah. 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 Supposedly, like the, the cold will stop. Will
0: I know what you're, you're not supposed to do is lean back. That's because you're you're taught that in school to lean back to stop a nosebleed, but it's yeah. actually that makes it worse.
3: Yeah, yeah,
0: it coagulates back into yeah. your into your nasal yeah. cavity. You know what else I stuff. found
1: out didn't work? Uh, you remember the in the Christopher Nolan Batman series in uh Batman Begins, yeah. um, where he falls into the ice, and then he's like, he, Liam Neeson's telling him like, rub your chest; it'll the rest will take care of itself. Christopher Nolan had to come out and say, please do not do that. that doesn't really work. It was just a thing we we're talking about in the movie." So yeah, yeah. Don't just count not on for real. Rubbing your chest and warming up that won't it won't do anything
3: um, Quite often we we do stories about um, people who win the lottery or or things that happen as a result of the lottery. Uh, some folks might have thought maybe they'd kind of almost won the lottery, but they didn't. Uh, it has nothing to do with the lottery itself. No this was about an Oregon man who had to be stopped by police last Tuesday because he was trying to gift money to strangers. Now, it's all well and good to go and give out money to people. Mm-hmm. Or uh, tithe or whatever yeah, yeah. Or whatever you feel the need uh, to do. Uh, but the way he was doing it was what was the issue. He was tossing $100 bills out of his car window on I-5 in Oregon. Yeah,
1: probably uh, Um, that's one of those... You can chalk up Craig to good idea? Yeah. Uh in principle, like the gist of it, horrible execution.
3: Yeah. Now his family <laughs> his family by the way wasn't really happy about it. 38-year-old uh, Colin Davis McCarthy told officers he wanted to gift the money. He estimated that he'd thrown about $200,000 out of the window see, in $100 yeah. bills. Uh that police received multiple phone calls about bills floating around on the busy I-5 area near Eugene, the south end of town, and multiple vehicles stopped on the road. People were jumping out of their cars, grabbing the cash, uh, And according to witnesses. And uh, McCarthy said he wanted to gift the money. The the officer said, please stop doing that because it's causing a significant traffic hazard. He was cooperative and agreed to stop. No criminal charges currently being considered. The motorist appeared to pick the road clean of any bills left behind. Uh according to the police, motorists did a thorough job of gathering the loose money as troopers were unable I to imagine. locate any further currency. You can you imagine those troopers going, Hey, there's cash out here and then they couldn't find it? afterwards you know that's the equivalent
1: of like if you say well i want to you know help people thanksgiving right let's donate some turkeys yeah but your idea was hey let's circle above the city and drop these turkeys out of a helicopter yeah art carlson
3: arthur (laughs) the 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 big guy from uh from wkrp as god is my witness i swear i thought turkeys could fly (laughs) describing it as thudding like on the on the on the street like bags of wet cement.
1: I'm sure if this guy would have told somebody in a position to help people, like I don't know, just go down to city hall and start asking questions, like, "Hey, who can help me with this?" Rather than taking matters into your own hands.
3: Yeah, I like how they said uh, troopers uh, followed up the next morning and were still unable to locate further bills along and the And You wonder way. why
1: lottery winners go broke?
3: Yeah, yeah. All right, I've got two other things. Not one, the smartest idea. One is a real quick bear story. Uh, where a man was just hanging out asleep on his back porch and uh, and then uh, this was in Asheville North Carolina mm. all right up in the mountains yeah. where there's plenty of black bears it's one of the largest uh, concentrations of black bears uh, in the country in the you know around the Great Smoky Mountains mm. and all that and migrating so dude is just hanging out reclining uh, like on a chaise lounge he's just kind of hanging out there. And then uh, this was captured on video where he kind of looks over his left shoulder, and and then he's surprised, obviously, and alarmed to see the bear. But as I I show you you the video, Jeff,
1: commercial ever playing on
3: your computer? Yeah, I did. Now look at the bear's expression too when the guy sees hanging out. Yeah, Yeah, here comes the bear. All right, right, now it's going to alarm the guy. Now look look at the bear. Look at the bear taking (laughs) him. That was kind of a bear doing people things kinda of there. <laughs> Look at him. He's just checking and then he kinda of gets scared and he so takes you, off. You didn't see anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm
1: just gonna go over here and head out.
3: Yeah, and then and then he and then he took off in a hurry there. So uh yeah. So <laughs> but I knew you'd like that. Still as as neither you nor I have seen cocaine bear yet. Uh, that had, no, that I'm sure that happen.
1: bear was probably thinking something clever like, wait a
3: minute, yeah. there's
1: no salmon over here. The river's that way. Yeah. I'll just be on my way, sir.
3: Finally, I have a story sent to me by my loving wife. Uh, the um, the in, my, in
1: my head, bears talk very proper
3: when yeah, they're they speaking do. to humans. Uh, how about this story? Man eaten alive by bed bugs in an Atlanta jail. Oh, I saw
1: this. Yeah, I didn't read it, but I saw the headline.
3: A man who died in an Atlanta jail cell was, quote-unquote, eaten alive by insects and bed bugs, according to the family's lawyer. Sean Thompson jailed on a misdemeanor placed in the Fulton County Jail psychiatric wing after officials judged him mentally ill. Family attorney Michael Harper released photos showing his body riddled with bugs, calling for a criminal investigation, and they say a lawsuit is pending, found dead in a filthy jail cell after being eaten alive by insects and bedbugs, according to the family's attorney. He was housed in an area that was not fit for a diseased animal. He did not deserve this. Jeez. Uh, According to the medical examiner's report, he was found unresponsive in his jail cell uh, three months after his arrest, pronounced dead following attempts by local police and medical personnel to resuscitate him. The jail records show detention officers noticed he was deteriorating, but uh, uh, did nothing, sorry? according to the attorney, to administer aid or otherwise help him. Uh, uh, the M- medical exam report said there was a severe bed bug infestation in the jail cell, but no clear signs of trauma on his body.
1: That should never be, that's never good in a report where they noticed he was deteriorating. You didn't think to help the poor guy?
3: Yeah, right, and did nothing. So that's 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 yeah. gross, yo. Yeah. So uh, that's why it's part like, of the It makes conceivable. me want
1: to go home and, and wash my sheets.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <sighs> so uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, – yeah. anyway. All right, uh, there I nice saw your house, kids. You'll feel better. Yeah. Second oh, hour God. of Light the Tower coming up here on The Horn.